You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. October was always one of my favorite times of the year because it meant all of the TV stations were running monster movie marathons and I absorbed them with gusto. I would stay up late on Fridays and Saturdays watching Sci-Fi Channel, TNT's Monster Vision, you name it. And while I'm sure those things still exist, I no longer have a TV signal or a cable subscription but I try to replicate that as best I can with streaming services. My day's off, I'll sit down, watch a movie every day. It's the similar concept, but not quite the same. So when we were thinking of what we wanted to record this week, I had a feeling I wanted to do something horror-related. And as if by magic, I was granted a subject. Uh, Every morning on our way into work, the local radio station, just at that particular time of day, does a silly little trivia question. Yeah everyday like facts of like what people like what people don't like and the question they had asked last week was they surveyed however many people and the number one scariest movie they had ever seen was the shining and the question was what was number two a number of responses that would be expected you know nightmare on elm street halloween jaws alien you name it it was all thrown out there And the host was like, nope, those are all wrong. And he gave a hint that it's a movie that came out last year. I was like, racking my brain, couldn't think of it off the top of my head. And the answer was A Quiet Place. Now, I had watched this movie, not in theaters, but shortly after it came uh, to home video, rented it somewhere, forget where, Amazon, Google, do you take a pick. And I really enjoyed this film. I found it to be very creative. And it was simple, yet very effective in a lot of what it did. How did you feel about this one, Raj? I loved it. I I think that it was very clever in a lot of, well, a lot of what it did. Krasinski really created something very clever. And when you kind of analyze it after you've seen it, too, you kind of pick up on different things where it, it really makes you further appreciate the work that went into it because this is nothing like a traditional movie in terms of we'll get into it the 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 main theme of the 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 show but it's nothing like a traditional movie so you have to find clever ways of of getting your point across that you otherwise would rely on language and so there's a lot that they had to do differently because of that. And it's it's so well done that there was no point for me while I was watching where I was thinking, well, I'd do this differently, or this doesn't make sense, or this is, you know, yeah, it's it's a it's a suspense horror and 
that comes with certain plot holes and different things that you don't want to analyze too much. But he understood that enough even to not put certain um, certain descriptions or certain, like, why does this exist? What is going on? That, that's not important. What's important is this part of the story. And it's, it was done brilliantly. I, I really enjoyed this show a lot. Yeah, the original story was written by Brian Woods and Scott Beck, and the final film was both written, directed by, and starring John Krasinski, which to me was a surprise because I did not know him from anything else other than his role in The Office. Oh, you didn't watch uh, Jack Ryan? No. Oh, watch Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan will change your opinion of the kind of actor this man is. Because well, I, this I, certainly changed my opinion. And this is not enough. Like, this was really good, don't get me wrong. And I'm a massive fan of The Office. But watch Jack Ryan. Like, the okay. um, the story is great. The story is really well done as a, you know, uh, a Jack Ryan story, of which there are a great many of them. He is a... V- he might be my favorite Jack Ryan, as a matter of fact, as well. Because, that is some high praise. Yeah, <clears throat> It, he just fits that role so well because Jack Ryan's just a freaking analyst or whatever the hell it was he did. He was a desk job guy. Mm-hmm. And Krasinski fits that role well enough that he's got that quirky um, way of, of talking and, and things like that, that he, he, he embodies that. But, I mean, he kind of beefed up for the role as well. So when he's getting into fights and doing things, it's also believable. And he, that miniseries cemented in my mind the kind of actor he can be, and and I was impressed. So this, I'm I'm trying to remember if I saw Jack Ryan after or before this, not that it matters, but yeah, he, after seeing both of these, like, I'm not even, I don't think of The Office as him anymore. I think of these dramatic or suspense suspense roles. That's great to hear. I will definitely will check it out. And then he's starring alongside his real-life wife, Emily Blunt, which is my general rule. If Emily Blunt's in something, I'm probably going to end up watching it at some point because I've loved pretty it. much everything she's been in. Yeah, exactly. As for the film itself, it, uh, it's a, it starts off with a really... It, it's, it's funny because in this day and age, it's impossible to go into a movie not knowing what to expect. You know, it's not like in the old days where, you know, maybe you saw a theater or a trailer, you know, before another movie or it's just for most people, it's something that they found when they were flipping channels one afternoon and you didn't know a whole lot about a lot of things. Nowadays, you know everything about every movie six months before it comes out. But I still really appreciate all the pacing and world building they did in this film, especially with this opening scene of the family in the drugstore. Because it's, it's very stark and immediate of... If you didn't know what was going on, this opening scene 100% told you that because they're being quiet for some sort of reason. Don't know exactly what at that point. It could be anything. It could be a zombie movie. It could be a thousand different things. And until that final reveal of the end of the the opening sequence of the, the weird alien creatures. But I felt it was a great scene to set the the tempo for the film. I... um. It's going to seem weird coming from somebody who produces a a movie podcast. I try to stay away from trailers now. I, I used to love 
watching trailers. Uh, Karen and I would sit for hours and watch all the new trailers and, and thoroughly enjoy them. And, and I still do enjoy them. The problem is, is that it's gotten to the point where damn near everything is in the trailers now too, mm-hmm. especially as they're releasing different trailers. And so when I find a show that I'm interested in, I will literally mute it on social media and I don't watch trailers. I don't watch anything for it. So when this sucker came out, I, obviously I knew it was, there was something to do with silence kind of thing, but I made sure that like my son and, and my, uh, my eldest daughter saw it uh, at the theater. And I was like, don't, I don't want to hear anything about it. So going into this, I was that person who did not know anything about it. So that really changed this film. And it really is, um, there's a quote in a New York Times article about this where they were saying Krasinski knows that when the sound is turned down, that's when we lean in. And that first scene is beautifully crafted. Like the the writers took their time with that scene and making sure that it fit in thematically with the entire show, set it up, all kinds of things, and had the most bracing impact possible to drive home this idea this the the why are they being mean to their kids and not getting the toys that they want why are they being so quiet why are they they are being so overprotective of the kids all of these things and i mean the writings on the wall you know something bad's gonna happen but maybe not this visceral Mm -hmm. in terms of how it was it was shown and because of that though it it, in that one scene boom okay i get it i would do the same thing and not just that i now can understand how this is going to have an impact on that family moving forward when we they do the this much later on kind of thing so yeah as an opening sequence fucking hell it was brilliant yeah i watched this movie on like a tuesday morning by myself laying on the couch and like I was still tense as can be throughout the entire movie of course and like this opening scene and that point where the rocket ship starts making the noises is so stark at it jolts you out of whatever you're feeling just watching the family walking home and it's and it immediately gives you that sense of oh this is this is a big deal. So uh, very, very effective. And there are a few points like that, which I know we'll get to as we're talking about this, but there's a few points like that throughout the show. Not too many, but they're very, very well done because once again, strip out sound from a, a movie with very few exceptions, strip away the, the language, but for the, um, uh, they were using uh, sign language and they were using like body language clearly and facial expressions have never been as important to pay attention to than in this film and for obvious reasons because the consequences are dire. But without uh, verbal language and such things and without being able to do large action sequences or, or, or gore or whatever that you might see in a a traditional movie, a horror movie, to build that suspense to get you going. Here, it's a child's toy making a noise. There's 
a nail that I know we're going to talk about. There's different things where such a simple one little thing, but you're not going to forget that because everything else is so, well, quiet that that, even though there's no sound, well, in this case, there was a little bit of a sound, resonates. Like when he picks up that toy for the first time, in your brain, you know. It's like, oh, shit. So then <laughs> it, it just keeps going from there, but never too long. And so, and you, but you don't forget it. Again, going back to that nail, the moment you see it, you are not forgetting that until it's resolved. And to Krasinski's credit, as well as the screenwriters, clearly, as, as, as far as I can remember, each of those cookies that they, breadcrumbs that they toss out, does get resolved. And again, there's not many of them, and we as the audience aren't going to let them get away with just leaving that out there. Well, and not only that, it's not like they set up something and don't pay it off for like an hour. It's when when they set up something, it's very obvious to us as the viewers, and we're waiting for it the entire time. To, and they do a great job of building the suspense around that, especially that nail and some other little elements. Yeah. So at this point, I'd really like to talk about the character of Regan, the oldest daughter, played by Millicent Simmons. And it was a very welcoming casting decision by Krasinski to cast an actual deaf actress in the role. Uh, Millicent Simmons has been deaf since she was an infant. So she brought an amount of realism to this film that, as he said, he did not want to hire a, a an actor who could hear for the role because we see that so often in movies where a non-disabled actor will be playing the role of a disabled person or anything trans having a, a male or female actor play a cisgender male or female actor playing a transgender character. And while they may be a fantastic actor, you're not going to get the same performance out of, them as you would as somebody who's lived that life not to mention there's not a whole lot of roles for those actors so when one does come up they should have it and i really appreciate that he cast Millicent simmons in this role because she was fantastic not just on camera but all the stuff she did behind uh helping teach oh, the, the cast sign language first of all and it really comes through because each character has a distinct style of sign language. Their attitudes come across with the way they're signing. The father is very short and, and quick because he's all about getting things done. And this, you know, he's always about protecting the family. The mother is a little more calming. And even uh, Regan herself, just in her sign language, you're getting that defiant teenager attitude through it. And it lends an immense amount of wealth to these characters because that's something that could have very easily been forgotten about. See, I'm, I'm kind of torn in this because I'm of the mind that this should be standard, that, that you should not have to be congratulating directors and producers for doing the <laughs> right not things wrong. and putting people in these roles. And yet part of me is still like, yeah, but we should say, yeah, good job, just so that that positive reinforcement maybe gets through to other 
creators who are like, oh, okay, you know what? They're right. This is what we should be doing. So you, again, you're absolutely right. This, this, and it's clear why I also feel that way, but this was phenomenal. And the fact is this little girl is an incredible actress. Like she was fantastic because as, as much as you can look at Krasinski and Blunt's performances and say, like, fuck, they were amazing in this, they're seasoned actors. They've acted in a ton of things, and they're astounding at their craft, not just because of, you know, whatever training they might have had, but also those years of experience. This is a relatively new young actress. I don't know what else she might have been in. I'm going to pull that up while we're talking here. But, uh, yeah, she's got a few credits, but she started in 2019 or or 2017. Uh, Actually, there's a short from 2015. So, yeah, a few things, but not too many. And she was phenomenal. She was a very, very good actress. I I really enjoyed her role. And like you said, too, you're picking up that she's being a defiant teenager at points. But you're also seeing... um, you're seeing a child, or at one point a teenager later on, coming to grips with a horrible choice that she made and the consequences thereof, and what that what that means for what she thinks the rest of the family thinks of her and her place in the family and things like that. And to be able to do all of that, once again, without verbal language, and because most of us, you know, wouldn't, can't understand sign language... So we rely on the subtitles, but to watch her be able to express everything, be it through the sign language or through her body language or expressions, like I ton of respect for this young actress. I'm looking forward to seeing her in other shows. Yeah, absolutely. So the movie picks back up again. We've jumped ahead a full year and this is another world building, establishing set of scenes that I appreciated because we get a glimpse as to what life is like for this family. And the way they have to live on a daily basis in this the world where they can't make sound. You know, they've got, they, they're essentially living like in a basement with layers of carpets and, and everything lining the walls. But every little thing from making dinner to the kids trying to play a board game. I, I, the sound design on this movie was so excellent. Like, when they're rolling the dice on like the padded tray and this and that, and it's clearly being amplified for the audience's sake. But I'm like, you got to stop that. They're going to hear you. <laughs> it, but everything like the, the, the security systems, the father has set up like in a very short amount of time, they do a great deal of establishing just how these people are living day to day. And it's not just establishing that lore so that you know it moving forward for the rest of the show kind of thing. It's 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 still an insanely tense scene. Like, it fits mm-hmm. in with this, what you're watching, this thriller horror show, because just a scene with a family playing a game in the afternoon kind of thing, or whatever time it was, and she's doing whatever should just be a regular scene. But because of the circumstances, you're still leaning in a little bit, waiting and, and tense, and and all they're doing is playing a game. Again, brilliantly written and directed as well. 
Yeah, and then when one of the kids like knocks over the lantern and causes the small fire and everybody's freaking out, <laughs> again, as a viewer, you're like, you're freaking out even more than they are. And yeah. I think that says a lot that they are essentially trained themselves to to deal with all of these various uh, catastrophes and crises that pop up in the quietest way possible. Yeah. <laughs> and then that, that long pause afterwards of everybody sitting there. <laughs> and we also get stuff of uh, Lee, the father, trying to make radio contact with other people, as well as working on various ear implants to try and uh, help Millicent be able to hear. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Regan be able to hear. Uh, it's not explained in the film if uh, Regan had the same particular issue that Millicent did, but it, it I don't know enough about... <laughs> you know the way ears work to be able to tell you if anything he was doing was going to work or not there's a lot a lot of articles on imdb trying to explain it and i'm not interested yeah that's again that's one of the things like the the origin of what it is that's hunting them that it's like it's not important to the story uh it's important to the family it's important to the characters but it doesn't have to be important to us we just have to accept yeah yeah it's, right he's doing this because it works we need to backtrack though because okay She's pregnant. Oh, yes. <laughs> By the way. By the way, in a world where you don't want to make sound, Krasinski couldn't fucking pull out. Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> why would you want another? Like, they just, they lost a child. And I, I, that, again, as a parent, that is your fear every fucking day. Literally, it doesn't go away. You fear for your children. I cannot imagine losing a child. They lost one and then decided to have another. And you're thinking, what the hell? And then when you're thinking about, but you're bringing a child into this world. Also, having a baby is very painful and loud. Also, babies are fucking loud. Like, <laughs> there's just too many things where you're like, ah. It, that should not have been in there, in my opinion, because it's, I would like to believe that, yes, there are accidents that happen, but there is also some things that you'd be like, no, this shit ain't never going to happen again kind of thing. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and we get a, a, a bit more of the establishment of that, of them soundproofing the, the sub-basement to essentially be the nursery and having that weird insulated coffin thing that they plan on putting the kid in. Like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, ooh, that's weird. <laughs> See, I, I, I almost feel like the, the, the having the child was put in just as a um, a hurdle for the family, story-wise. Like they, they needed something else in the climax to, to ratchet up the exactly. tension. Yeah. And then yeah, went, and what if she has a baby? Yeah, so it wasn't that it fit with the story moving forward, but rather it it's a screw that was put in to hold a couple of pieces of the story together. And I'm not as crazy about that idea. I, the, if it comes to that, then that means you're not being clever enough with your writing to write something that actually is logical and wouldn't make sense. Again, that's just my opinion though. And that's, that's mm -hmm. a minor negative. Like really I'm nitpicking here. Like we have to nitpick to find bad in this show. And that's my, my literally probably my one only little nitpick for the show. Mm-hmm. So the next day, uh, Lee and Marcus, the son, go on a little fishing expedition. And this is one of those scenes where 
we've been in near silence for God, about a half hour, 45 minutes at this point. Eternity, and they get to this fucking eternity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they get to this lake with the waterfall and they crank the sound and it's, it's very jarring. But at the same time, it's, it's almost a relief as a viewer of like, Oh my God, I can hear things. And it's the same relief for the characters because with the sound of the water, they're able to talk, not just use sign language. And that again was like, Oh my God, I forgot what human voices sound like. It's been less than an hour and I'm already as a viewer, like thirsting to just hear a human voice. The thing is, is that it's, and, and even up till that point, clearly because of the death of the child, um, they do such a good job with establishing that this has been going on for a little while now. I can't remember exactly how many days they said at the beginning. Something like 60 or 400 and or something. Was it that many? Um, but anyways, like it's been a little while now. The family is clearly gotten used to this, trained the kids and whatnot, um, and done like crazy ridiculous steps, not just in terms of like, soundproof in the house and setting alarms but like they walk around barefoot so that they can be very clear about how much sound they're making and feel everything they laid out the paths as well that they can walk on so that it's the least amount of sounds possible all of these things but they condition themselves to the point where when he's running towards his child and the child gets swept away like he's silent mm -hmm. there's no gut reaction scream and that occurs a few times throughout the show later on. There's none of that gut reaction and a scream or whatever. It's all held in, internalized. So, yeah, when you get to that that waterfall and he's telling them, like, it's safe, they can't hear us, and they're actually talking. For us, it, it really does allow you to, like, you, you, you realize, holy jeez, my shoulders are sore. It's because they were in a fucking knot for so long. <laughs> and And, like, that, again, speaks to... Really good editing as well. We have to give them credit as well. Like the editing to get you to that point where you are feeling that much tension from not having heard anything is pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. And this also starts to, to get into like one of the main tension points of the film where as the father and son are talking, uh, Marcus, the son, tells him that Regan blames herself for the death of her brother and also feels that the rest of the family does as well. And that's something that she's been holding in and the father's been holding in because they've never had an opportunity to really sit down and I don't want to say discuss these things, but yeah, discuss, even though it's through sign language, I guess that's the proper terminology. Yeah. Uh, so like she's, she kind of runs off on her, her journey to the, the son's grave site while they're off. And like, you realize like, yeah, like even, even in this post-apocalyptic survival scenario, the most important thing is going to be those human family connections at the end of the day. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And we get that weird scene in the forest with the old guy and his wife. I don't, I don't know if that was really necessary. I felt like it was just in there to remind us about how dangerous the monsters can be. See, I took it a little bit differently. I took it just to be, well, yeah, later on when he gets 
well, he decides he's given up. But seeing them early on to me was more about establishing that they're not alone in this post-apocalyptic world. They're okay, not only enough. are there other people there, but they're relatively close as well. And there's relationships with them. However odd, there still are relationships kind of thing. So to me, that was actually very important because otherwise it's like, otherwise you're thinking like, oh, just fucking give up. Like if you are alone in this in the world now and these things are all over the place and you're just you want to raise your family but this is what it's come down to and there's nobody else yeah it's it's time to pack it in start playing a fucking kazoo (laughs) (laughs) call them over because but no seeing that there there's there are neighbors it was like yeah and then the scene later on with him i think was equally important because it showed that desperation that i was just talking about So that if you are, you know, if you lose your significant other, like you're saying, what's going to be important is your family, those people that you're with. Well, he lost his and it's like, what's the point of going on anymore? Yeah. Why why try to hold it in any longer? Exactly. So I I actually really liked seeing them in there. Yeah. Okay. And then while all this is going on at home, Evelyn goes into labor. (laughs) And it's not a very healthy labor either. She's bleeding quite a bit and then starting to bleed a little more because she steps on that nail we were talking about. She's going around the house doing laundry. I forget exactly how the nail popped out in the first place, but that's... I can't remember either now. Yeah. It's largely irrelevant because we as the viewers see it happen. So when she's going back down to the basement to get ready to deliver the baby, she steps on it and... We've all been in that scenario. Whether you stepped on a nail or not, you've stepped on something at some point in your life that has not been very comfortable. And everybody's first reaction (laughs) is to obviously yell, curse, scream, whatever you're going to do. And to have to hold all that in while also (laughs) in labor at the same time, it's, it's instantly, we're cranking the tension up to 11 to even 12 at this point because... Emily Blunt's acting with just her facial expressions and some whimpers here and there is terrifying to watch. Well, the thing is, is that that tension has been building for that one nail for a while because it wasn't Mm -hmm. immediate, the nail, because it it came up and then it's in the back of your, well, actually, it's not in the back. It's in the forefront of your mind for a while. You're like, the nail, the nail, somebody's going to step on that. Somebody better (laughs) fucking check that nail. And you know it's going to be her because it has to be. She's pregnant. She's hanging around in that area. It's not going to be fucking Krasinski who's off doing whatever. No, she's going to step on it. And so, yeah, that tension has built for so long that when she lands on it, oh, my fucking Lord. So, yeah, no, again, beautiful scene and it is like you said too it's that was a uh, um, an amazing sequence of, of scenes for her from the starting to, to go into labor that nail the the having the child everything like fucking hell she she was fantastic and then with all that's going on it's not the baby it's not the nail that eventually starts uh, the the crisis just with everything that's happening, she knocks over a picture frame and just the simple sound of a picture falling to the floor and the glass shattering is enough to alert these creatures, which I think that's actually really 
important because up to this point, we've seen them react to very loud, very sudden sounds. And the even like this is like, okay, this wasn't, you know, a siren going off. This wasn't somebody screening. This was just a small noise. And it makes you realize, wow, everything they've been doing up to this point has been for very good reason. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And she definitely goes above and beyond. She manages to get to like the weird little lockdown system they have where it changes all the lights and their, their compound to red. So that the family knows stay away. Their danger things have gone wrong. And the red lighting, of course, it's a horror film. Everything has to have red lighting to yeah. make it even <laughs> scarier and more ominous. <laughs> but the, a, the, that scene was great too. Like, we we'd seen the the well it's a farm but it's kind of like a compound the way it's laid out with stuff and whatnot and and you you kind of saw it and you see the how organized it is as well in terms of getting things ready so that you can have some measure of security and some warning systems and whatnot but from that moment there then then you start seeing how they talk to each other while they're in the field or different things like that as well kind of thing with because the kids at that point are out as well aren't they stuck in the grain field at that or the uh, not at that, at that point. point. Oh, okay. They're they're just arriving. Uh, Regan's off on her own, and uh, Marcus is with Lee, and that's when uh, Lee tells Marcus to go set off the fireworks. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which like it, that fucking tension at that point again. Like there was so much tension before, and it, it doesn't fucking let up at that point either. Like it just is again. Whether it's him hauling ass back to the house, the fireworks shit, the silo thing coming up, it's just one fucking thing after another. Mm-hmm. And, and like even that little bit where he asks them to go set off the fireworks, you're like, oh, that's a really smart idea. They have fireworks set up to to serve as a diversion to attract the creatures away. And you're like, wait a second, the ten year old's going to do it by yeah, himself. Exactly. <laughs> like yeah. it, it. You can see in Krasinski's face, like he's almost realizing that he might be making the decision to sacrifice his son to save his wife and other child. Yeah, it, it is. It very much is. Like uh, again, I'm watching that and like, fuck. It took forever to, for me to get my 10-year-olds to wash the dishes properly without cracking something. <laughs> like, you know, and they're not known for being quiet and stealthy either. This is setting off what fireworks and then trying to survive afterwards. The the facial expressions between Krasinski and the kid, yeah, it, it, it's, it's heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, eventually he sets off the fireworks, gets chased through a cornfield by the monsters... Uh, meets up with Regan, and they uh, decide to hide out atop the grain silo, which is where their signal bonfire is. And essentially, like that's you know where, that's where Dad will come to find them, and they keep the fire going until he can come rescue them. But he's dealing with well, uh, a not a very healthy wife and child back at home because, as I said, the uh, the labor did not go well with a large amount of blood. I, I was reading that they, they kind of used that to justify how the baby was able to stay so quiet. Uh, ah, okay. He was weakened due to the, the, the lack of blood when he was delivered. It wouldn't have been his blood, though. It would have been hers. Well, even still, if, uh, if the, the placenta falls, you know, separates early and the baby's not properly... Uh, does Isn't receiving the, the, <laughs> the proper nutrients and, and oxygen that he would normally be getting from that before the delivery, then afterwards he would be a little weaker and not necessarily making noise. Uh, okay. I, mean, I don't, I don't I, you know what? at all, but okay. It, it, at least it's an explanation, yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Uh, he manages to get them into the basement, <laughs> seal the baby up in the stupid coffin, <laughs> and goes off to find the other kids, which is then, oh, wait, something else has gone wrong, and there's a pipe leaking that's going to start flooding the basement. I feel at this point, I'm like, okay, now now we're getting a little too absurd with the the, the chain of events that's occurring here. <laughs> Yeah, but it kind of, it, it was all fitting as well. Like, it, for me, it wasn't a bridge too far for anything. It, it was just a a series of horrific events, one mm-hmm. after another after another, and it just was snowballing, certainly, but yeah, that's kind of life some days, too. I, I feel it's another one of those things where, like, they had this great idea of the mother and the baby I see what in the mean. basement flooded with water <laughs> trying to escape the alien. And they're like, okay, that's great. How are they in a basement flooded with water? Yeah, I see what you mean. They, they, they kind of put the cart before the horse to get to that point. And, but, yes, the, the scene where she's in the basement and the creatures down there with her is, again, excellent. Yeah. Another bit that I was a little iffy on, though, was the whole corn silo thing. <laughs> where the kids fall into the corn silo. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it, it just felt weird with like the physics of it. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, I, I don't know. It just, it, that's not how it works. <laughs> like it, I, I, it was essentially based on the stories that, uh, what were the original writers? Uh, Woods and Beck were told growing up in, you know, Iowa farmland that it's, it's kind of like the, the urban legend old wives tale of the areas that, Oh yeah. If you fall into the silo, it's going to suck you under like water and you'll suffocate in there when realistically, that's not how it works. <laughs> but yeah, the, the kids fall in, they're able to climb up. I, I don't know. It just, it was, see the way that I looked at it was that they only have so much, they only have so many props to play with because of mm-hmm. how they set up the scene of of where they are living and the things that are on there. I mean, there's only so many things you can slap on a farmland and that kind of fits. Could it have been handled better? Oh, absolutely kind of thing. But it didn't bother me. And, and because the action didn't stop, I was willing to go along with it. And, and well, I didn't oh, yeah, it's not, it didn't ruin the movie for me. It's just like there, there was this sequence of increasingly outrageous events that yes continue to build tension and ratchet up the the stakes for the film but when you kind of break it down piece by piece and look at it a little more critically it feels a little awkward at yeah points. oh there's there's probably a couple of things that they could have taken out but but i feel that if they did they would have had to replace them with something else so then it's yeah. a matter of okay well what are you going to i'm not saying i have better things? ideas no no I, I i get what you're saying i i do all right. Uh, but eventually, uh, dad finds the kids. They're hiding in a truck. And we've also gotten little bits at this point where Regan's latest ear implant is somehow reacting with the the subsonic signals that the aliens are communicating with by either picking up, like, echolocation, if you will. And that's uh, I think that's how they were able to escape the one at the silo. Like, it kind of feedbacked into their their own hearing perception and that allowed them get to get away but Regan doesn't realize this so because it also hurts her as it's she's getting electronic feedback into her own brain at this point and she turns off the implant which brings the creatures back to them as they're hiding out in this old truck 
And we get the scene where, yeah, dad shows up. He realizes there's nothing he can do except distract them. And that was a very powerful scene where in the original script, he signs to his daughter, Regan, I love you. And again, Millicent Simmons went, that's great. But what he really should say is, I have always loved you. And it's just a small change, but man, it gave, it gives such an immense amount of emotional weight to that scene. Oh, Jesus. Uh, heart in my fucking throat. Uh, well, that's what oh. I said. John Krasinski cried on set when she told him to change that line. <laughs> yeah. Just, oh, that scene was just heart-wrenching. And it was one of those where you kind of see, okay, something's going to happen here to one of the parents, probably, or because, just because of circumstances and whatnot. And when you're seeing the the situation that the kids are stuck in, it's, you're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's them or all of us or they can survive. And I sacrifice myself. There's no choice. And so, like, and, and you're waiting for something between him and her because they, they have to resolve that before he dies. And it was, it was perfect. It was just mm-hmm. perfect. And then the kids reunite with mom and a baby brother, sister. I don't think it was ever specified. I, I don't remember. Yeah, the new baby. <laughs> uh, but the threat's not over. Like, the creatures are still out there. And one of them is down there with them. And that's when Regan figures out the whole ear implant thing, feeds it into Dad's radio system that, again, everything that happens in this movie was previously set up and established, and I appreciate that, and causes the, the feedback to essentially cause the, the creatures to freak out and... Mom sticks a shotgun into the the now exposed inner face of these things, and finally they found a way that they can defeat them. And that's the way this movie ended. I actually loved <laughs> so many times in movies like this. The 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 heroes survive, and that's enough. Like yeah, they have the heroic moment. Uh, like like they finally kill the monster, this and that, and like okay, we did it. Fade to black. Everybody lives happily ever after. But they go that extra step here of. Uh, it's not alone. There's two more coming. And that awesome shot of Emily Blunt with an infant in one arm and a <laughs> shotgun in the other. And like the, the, the half smile she has on her face is an excellent way to close this movie. If they don't have that frame, that picture that's still framed in their house, they're not living properly. They're not living their best lives. Because, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, altogether, like I said, I had a few nitpicks about certain like storytelling decisions here and there but at the end of the day it's largely irrelevant because the overall story uh the emotion the tension the payoffs for all of it this is one of the best i don't even want to call it a horror film because i don't feel it's a horror but it's one of the best suspense movies i've seen in a long time yeah it's funny because in traditional typical, I should say, Hollywood fashion, where you often get similar movies coming out very, very close together. We got Bird Box just one year later with Sandra Bullock, which is instead of the not being able to make any sound, it's you can't look at the creatures. And so it's closing off another 
sense in order to be able to survive. And while that was a great show, I really enjoyed it. Um, not perfect either by any stretch, but I really like Sandra Bullock and she she's good right. in, in, in these roles as well. Um, and I like the kids in the here too. I like the, 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 the relationship she had with them and the, and the reveals were much better done in this, in Bird Box, I found. So it was very good, but it didn't have the same tension as um, as A Quiet Place. Like, not even close for me. And, and I think that's largely because A Quiet Place had the benefit of being able to put us in the place of the characters by cutting the sound off so much, whereas Bird Box occasionally puts you behind the mask, but they can only do that so much because the audience needs to be able to see what the mm-hmm. fuck is going on. So A Quiet Place was able to really play with that in a way that Bird Box wasn't able to, and you could see how effective that was as well. Like, again, Quiet Place is one of those shows where I will happily recommend to people who are looking for something stressful and something with a ton of tension that really have some fun with and enjoy. Absolutely. I, I adore it. I think it's one of those things where if Bird Box had come out first or had been in a world where Quiet Place didn't exist, it would have been a little more effective. But at, at just by virtue of the way things work, it's always going to have that comparison that it's not going to be able to stack up to, despite the good things it does as well. Exactly. Yeah. But good news, because next year, uh, I think in March, April, somewhere around there, we're getting the sequel to Quiet Place. Again, really? written, and directed by Chris, yeah, written and directed by Krasinski. It's going to be not a direct sequel, they say, but more of like a story of another family living in this world. Mm. However, they do say... Emily Blunt and the kids are also going to be in the movie. Nice. Oh, shit. We're going to have to definitely talk about that when it comes out. Yeah. <laughs> and this, this, it, I have to imagine it came out when it did because the, this, the movie studio just, you know, didn't feel, didn't know essentially like the amount of success they had on their hands because typically movies like this don't come out in the late winter, early spring. But now, like, March, April, that's quiet place time. That's when this movie comes out now. Oh, damn. I'll be looking forward to it. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, be sure to uh, check it in a few months because I'm sure we'll be talking about that. If Uh, I could make one suggestion before we go, just for anybody who actually has not seen this film that is looking to to see it. um, If you live with other people and you're going to be watching with other people, clearly you'll need the sound. Crank up the sound anyways, even though there's not a lot of it, so that you really hear what's going on even the subtle little things but if you're watching this alone i cannot stress this enough this is a headphones kind of show drop some noise canceling headphones on and this takes that movie to a whole new level i can only imagine how that experience would be (laughs) all right so thank you very much for listening if you have not checked it out highly highly recommend this movie and uh, we'd be interested in knowing uh, what other horror films that you guys have liked recently. I, I was throwing around some other ideas like Annihilation or Get Out and Us, but the radio kind of uh, steered me in this direction. So <laughs> this is what we talked about this time around. <laughs> but thank you very much for listening. You can find more of our episodes over at popcornronin.com. You can follow us on Twitter for updates. Roger is at Zen Buddhist. I am Samodian. So until next time, thank you for listening. And I absorbed them 
with, oh God, I fucked it up. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> Not as easy as it sounds, is it?